Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. It's got the ball. Jared Hayes. Hayes, superstar, superhuman. Collie Bundelite, the speed of a bullet. He hits it. He's got it. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from, as I said, a captain to a legend. And probably won the league immortality. That's not a crime. That's a miracle. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got part two of our interview with North Devils coach Rowan Smith. Rowan, you know, his experiences in rugby league are second to none to start. He's the son of legendary coach Brian Smith, so his entire childhood was all footy. He was in numerous change rooms, video sessions, everything, you know, that a rugby league nut could ever want. Uh, you know, his father, of course, you know, he coached to a number of grand finals, has coached numerous teams and had great success, you know, a long 20-odd years of footy, and of course, Rowan went into coaching himself. Over the last 20 years, he's bounced around, you know, seven or eight NRL systems. He's coached over in the UK, uh, and now he's, as I said, the head coach of the Norse Devils. He's an absolute champion bloke, and he just knows his footy inside out. I love surrounding myself with smarter footy brains than mine, and Rowan is certainly one of them. It was an absolute pleasure having a yarn to him. If you didn't listen last Monday to part one of our interview with Rowan Smith, I advise you go back and listen to that first and then you dive into this one an absolute champion bloke who in my opinion a first grade coaching role it's got to be just around the corner let's kick it off mate after your time at the roosters you um head your way over to the penrith panthers tell me about your time spent over at penrith yeah that was interesting because at the end of the you know my dad got the the sack from the roosters and for a few days or a week or two there, I wasn't sure whether um, whether I was going to stay at the Roosters and and Trent Robinson, who I you know had spent four years sharing an office with, um, he decided to to go a different way, and I you know I respected that and understood that he wanted a, a fresh start, and I wasn't part of that part of that plan. Um, but you know some of the best times I've had in coaching were probably sharing an office with with Robbo and Rick Stone when we we're at the Knights and having some intense conversations about all things footy um, and what we're trying to do with our team and stuff like some of the best times but so yeah it was November or December maybe I was just having a few texts with Garth Brennan who actually worked with me when I was coaching Newcastle 20s Garth is one of my assistants and always kept in contact and, and had a mutual respect for each other and I think he just tossed up 
oh, you should come and do a bit of coaching with me. And I was living at, at Coogee thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm driving to Penrith. That's um, a stretch. That's, you know, it's a, it's an hour and a half on a good day. And let it stew for a, for a week or two. And then I'm like, actually, sounds like a fucking good idea. Um, that I wasn't prepared to have a, a year out of footy. And, and some of the advice I got out um, from, from a few mentors and stuff was just do some coaching, like whatever it is, whatever level it is, don't worry if it's professional, paid for, whatever, just do, just, if you want to be a coach, you've got to be a coach. So that was a good opportunity for me to sort of work out whether, hey, is this really what I want to do? So driving to, you know, I did some laboring, like I did some multiple, multiple different jobs and studied a few courses that year, did some laboring, like I was moving pavers, bricks, you know, digging holes just to, to pay the bills and traveling to Penrith um, you know, get home at nine o'clock at night and beat the next day. And um, by the, you know, the first day at training, I said to Breno, oh, you know, what do you want me to do? And he's like, oh, you know, just get to know the kids today and, and get around and have a look. And I was like, whoa, who's that? Who's that? And I, like I knew who Bryce Cartwright was already, but then I'm like, who's that? And it was like Dallin Watanay's Lesniak, like picking balls up around his ankles, like Kieran Mosley, super clever dummy half, like Wonga Blake. I'm like, Who's that guy? And and Wonga, like, he couldn't make the, the 20s team at the start of the year, but had a hunger, like, to make it. Isaiah Yo, like, another athletic-looking kid, but I'm like, I said to Breno at the end of that, oh, man, I'll, I'll be back. I'll see you on Wednesday. Like, I, you know, I was, I was so excited about coaching that year. And there were, like, not only super talented kids that, that Jimmy Jones and, and Matty Cameron had, had put together there, super talented kids, really respectful kids, but... They just wanted to be footy players, you know. And they were, on a on a Monday, they'd be waiting in the office for me to for me to get there and say, "Hey, can we watch some video?" Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic, great, great, like reinvigorated my and confirmed my love of coaching and and passion for developing young players. Mate, you mentioned Bryce Card right there. Obviously, you know his career hasn't panned out as we expected, but like him as a young bloke, he was just. He was just on another level. Like I've got a mate of mine that was he played Knights SG ball and um and he says that, you know, they used to be preparing for their game against Penrith up in Newcastle and they'd sit there and they'd all just watch the bus to see if Bryce Cartwright was playing, you know, eighteens, twenties, first grade, fucking whatever he wanted to play, and they just and if they saw him get off the bus, they went, Oh, sweet, we're we're dusted by thirty here. Like he was just he was a maniac when he was younger, wasn't he? Just such an incredible footballer. Oh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like, but you know, people put a lot of that stuff down to you know he's natural or whatever. It's in the family, but you know, I'm, I'm just presuming that Bryce probably had a had a ball in his hand, you know, more than everyone else. Like he's kicked the ball, flicked past the ball, offloaded the ball more than anyone else as a kid, and that's just became who he was as a player. There was one, um, there was one miserable winter night actually training that year where I was doing doing some left feet right like in the 20s guys training on a Wednesday night and Bryce gets the ball I think he might have been playing in the halves that day like we had 25 different halves combinations that year Uh, but he he got the ball on the right side and it was a scenario like you know it might have been 12 all or whatever and they're playing it out to to see who could win you know in that kind of scenario based situation and he was under all sorts of pressure on the right foot going for a field goal so he just rocked back onto the left foot and kicked a field goal from 35 or 40 out. And you're like, 
And, you know, aside from Cherry Evans, I can't remember, you know, Johnny Simon used to kick a few left-footed, I think, but not too many have, like, actually ever kicked one regularly, you know, kicked, kicked him, be able to execute him regularly, even without any pressure or even any game scenario, or even in a training drill, like, not many can do that. Not many, it's like, and everyone just kind of went, oh, yeah, Bryce does it, you know, Bryce does that all the time. It wasn't even, wasn't even respected. It was just like... Oh, yeah, that's that's Bryce, you know, standard. <laughs> Mate, the way I remember Cartwright coming through was, you know, it was almost like you were watching a PlayStation game and you had Bryce Cartwright's, all of his stats set to the absolute maximum and he was just taking names. Like, he, yeah, and, it, like, that year that he did burst onto the scene at Penrith, I believe it was 2016, and some of the stuff he was doing, like, I... I I don't know if we're ever going to see that again from another footballer. He for the at the age he was and five eight lock second row. It didn't matter. He was producing the same highlights and doing the same things. Just unbelievable, wasn't he? Yeah, and you know it's still it's still in him. It's still in him. You know, like obviously, um, you know, for whatever reason, it it hasn't through in sort of consistent performances and whatnot. And he's playing in a team that you know have largely done it tough for the last couple of years. So uh, it's. His awareness, you know, it, it's that sort of what we call a foot, footballer. You know, he's a footballer. He gets it. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's rare that you come across guys with that kind of awareness and, and skill set. Um, and when you do, it's kind of like, oh, you know, you respect every training session and, you know, you can't wait to get onto it. Mate, another bloke you mentioned who obviously gave you the opportunity at Penrith Garth Brennan, um, he had his opportunity up at the Titans a few years ago and, you know, it obviously didn't go well. And I guess from people that haven't watched the Penrith, you know, juniors and their New South Wales Cup and all that, the teams he's coached, he probably looks like a bang average coach to them based on what they saw at the Titans. But, mate, the stuff he was doing at Penrith, those teams, it was just grand final after grand final after grand final. I sort of look at Garth Brennan and the Titans situation and go, you know, it was a job, but it wasn't the right job for him. I really hope he gets another gig sometime. Yeah, Breno's got got a lot of like he's very sound coach fundamentally. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of great attributes. Um, you know, he expects big things from his players, but he cares about them. Um, and you know, I think it's really hard to judge coaches based on their, their first job. Sometimes, um, if they get a second or a third job and, and it doesn't go to plan, then Probably, probably right. But you know, head coaching role I'm talking about there. Um, he had a lot of great players at Penrith, but he also made them great teams. You know, as a lot of kids coming through, he 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 got them to come through and be ready to play NRL. Whether translates into being an NRL head coach isn't always the case. Like, but as far as you say, he's certainly a, a great development coach. Um, this. You know, he's not the only coach to, to have troubles at the Titans. You know, that's that's the other thing. And, you know, Justin Holbrook, from all reports, is a, you know, a top-end coach and, and character, you know, and, and that club hasn't been able to turn. You know, they've had some good performances or whatnot, but they're still struggling to win. So it's I think it's really hard just to judge on the outcomes of performance. And, again, I think it comes back to that stuff we were talking about earlier, a little bit about what are the club expectations versus what are we capable of? And I, you know, I'm all for thinking big and aiming high and never, never concede. Also from an administration point of view, you need to know that you're 
you're at base camp and you're ready to climb, you know, the last bit. If you're not, if you're nowhere near base camp, you know, you, you, it's it's not realistic that you're going to get to the summit, you know. Like at the end of the day, a premiership, it isn't one in a six-month season. It's one over the six years leading up to it, the guys you're bringing through. And I kind of feel like, and maybe I'm unfair on the Titans, but I feel like they're constantly trying to skip those little bits. Yeah, yeah, I spent a little bit of time there, but probably not a, you know, not long enough. We were, we were quite a, an old team there at one stage, and they've, there's been a, a big transition. But whenever there's no consistency with coaching um, and administration, they've had multiple different um, CEOs and football managers and um, people in administration positions as well as different coaches. If there's no stability, it's very hard um, to, to know. Now, sometimes you've got to keep changing until you get the right people in. You know, unless you're in an organisation, you never actually know. Like, I, you know, I really hope the Titans do find their way through. And, and from from a lot of reports, like Holbrook's probably the guy to, to help the, the footy side of things. Um, but it takes lots of things to align, not just the, the quality of the coach with the, the X's and O's or even the people skills. Um, there's lots of things in pro sport that are that are imperative, you know, to, towards... Everything needs to align in all aspects of the organisation in order to have, you know, to, to even see base camp. You mentioned that you spent some time yourself in the Titans system. Between the Titans and Penrith, you obviously returned back to New Zealand. Tell me about that experience. That was that was cool. Um, Matty Elliott had, had got the job over at the Warriors and I'd shared an office with Matty for, for a year at the Roosters um, and, and known Matty since I was a, a kid. He was playing... Uh, for the the dragons in the early 90s i think he he retired and he ended up working um for my dad at the bradford bulls he was he actually went over to the bulls before dad did uh dad finished the season at the dragons in 95 uh, maddie went over as assistant coach and, and got the ball rolling over there so i'd known maddie for a long time and we'd had a lot of footy conversations and they had a heap of young talented guys and I guess, you know, Matty knew I was good at coaching those guys that were young on their way to the NRL or even sort of fringe guys. You know, in my career, I guess a lot of – being the younger coach, I've always kind of gravitated towards the guys on the fringe or the young fellas um, because the other more senior, um, inexperienced and, and aged coaches sort of gravitate towards a lot of the – um, the top-end players that I saw in a niche for me to to work with the, the guys on the fringe or the young guys aspiring. So the Warriors had a bunch of kids in their, you know, successful 20s teams year after year, but they, they hadn't seen a lot of those kids progress into being consistent top-end NRL players. Um, so Matty gave me a job and that was sort of the task at hand. And it's kind of uh, kind of an interesting situation because I'd, like on the grand final day in 2013 of the 20s, um, you know, it was a, the, the Panthers end up beating the Warriors and I was working for the for the Panthers and I went over and, and shook all the hands of the, the players. Um, it hadn't been announced that I was going to work for them, but I I just went and shook hands with everyone in the opposition because I knew that I'd be working, you know, with them the following year. And when I got there um, in November to start coaching, some of those guys, like, they couldn't look at me. They were like, man, you broke my, you know, your team broke my heart. Like, um, so... Was some yeah fantastic young players that were transitioning out of that 20s group into to men's footy and the Warriors decided to take over the running of that uh, reserve grade from used previously being the Auckland Vulcans run by the Auckland Rugby League. Um, the Warriors took that over and, and provided a great platform and um, 
really professional service to those guys to be able to to kick on and and see some of those guys playing NRL, you know, pretty quickly and and still playing now is is pretty cool. Rowan, mate, obviously. You know, you watch though that you know the under twenties there for the six or seven years or however long it was going for. It was you know you you check the results every week and the Warriors are putting 60, 70, 80 on teams and you know they're consistently in the grand finals. They're the big teams in the finals in those comps. And then you look at their reserve grade. You know, every time I switch on a Warriors reserve grade game, I see someone new that I go fuck. Who's that kid? Like what? What you know that you, you can just see special things out of them, and it just doesn't seem to correlate to them coming through at the Warriors into first grade and producing results. Like, now that, you know, you're on the outside of the Warriors looking in, you've had the experience within it, you know, do you have any comments on that sort of correlation that, for me, it just doesn't seem to be working? Again, like I said before, it's hard to know unless you're in there. Um, But, like, sort of having two experiences there 10 years apart, when I was there with, with Ando and even before I was there with Daniel, like, it was a very clear identity about how they were going to play. Uh, you know, we've got size, footwork, skill. Like kids over there grow up playing sevens, nines, rugby, league, touch, tag, everything. Like they, they just play more than we do here. Um, and those kids have got phenomenal skill sets. Uh, and that was, you know, that was harnessed in that regime. Um, bit, you know, had a poor 2004. Things change, new coaching, whatnot. Then Ivan you know, came in and did a good job there and in a different sort of strategy and different structure. But pretty much since Ivan hasn't been there, it's, you know, the coaches have been turned over pretty regularly. So again, that that consistency. And I would say, you know, it's a, and you still hear people talk about, you know, the Warriors are a big team. Like in the NRL, they haven't been a big team for a long time. They've had two big wingers and, you know, the, one of the wingers that they replaced, you know, in Vatavai, they, they, ha- they have had some big players, but they are not a big team and haven't been for a long time. Um, they've, they've played a lot of very structured, rigid footy. You know, and people still reference their ad-lib freestyling sort of play, but that actually hasn't existed for a long, long time. And that's not to say that that's the best way, but I think every coach has to have a... And, and it, even beyond the coach, like... What's the identity? What's the DNA of our club? What are the people, like, what are the Warriors people, like the Auckland people, what do they want to see? They don't want to see structured play. They want to see local kids that are playing together with skill and footwork, big hits, physical. And part of the problem in the last, you know, 10, 15 years that every other club is really entrenched in recruiting out of there so it's a long time since they've actually had all of the best kids. There's a, there's so many kids in New Zealand that are physically equipped to be a footy player, but all the other clubs are, are grabbing them. So it's it's not so much, you know, people sort of reference and go, oh, they've got a whole country to choose from. It's not really like that anymore because the clubs are in there. And I, I would say it's hard to know what the, the identity of, club is anymore as far as the production on the field goes um it's a great club there's a lot of great people there it's got a nice little history over a short period of you know period of time it's had some highs and lows um but you know some of those warriors footy in, in 2002 2003 was organized it wasn't made up there was a structure but it it certainly played to the strengths of the players um in that group where i feel through the last 10 years that 
you know, the club's really gone towards being really structured and rigid and trying to follow everyone else where they could have a unique sort of identity. That would be my take on it. Mate, I guess, you know, it comes back to what brand of footy they want to own. And, you know, my listeners are probably getting bored of this conversation because I had Clinton Torpy on six months ago. He said the exact same thing. New Zealand footballers, we're not structured. We're not the Melbourne Storm. Play what works for us. I then had Michael Witt on. He said the exact same thing. He said, you know, he showed up there and he wasn't this flamboyant ball player with flick passes and everything, but he could see the blokes around him. You know, that's the ability they had and they didn't play towards it. I then had Isaac John on last week and he said the exact same thing. He grew up with these guys, this incredible talent. Then they get there and they're forced into this structure. And, you know, mate, like I've only spoken to four people that have been involved with the Warriors. All four have said the exact same thing. It's just, it it confuses me a little bit. It's, um, again, it's hard to know unless you're in there, but, you know, different ownership, different management, different coaching, you know, it's really hard to sustain or to create a, a DNA, an identity, a culture, an environment that that's heading somewhere. Um, when there's there's always that that turbulence. Um, you know, I I think I think Warriors, and I just think back to 2001, 2003 period where they they had great success. Now you can't you know you can't do that necessarily. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Their current roster because they don't have the same dynamic, uh, you know, and even listening to, to Todd Payton speak last night, NRL 360, you know, talking about they need a big, you know, a big middle player. And they've needed a big middle player for like a long time. And they, they haven't been able to... to um, develop one or develop multiples or, or to recruit one at this stage. So while they're highlighting that publicly, um, you know, everyone's aware of that now if, if they weren't already. Mate, there was, you know, a few weeks ago when they were looking for a coach, you know, they obviously still are looking for a coach, but when there was a lot of names being thrown up, you know, we talk about them going back to playing that brand of footy. There was two blokes that really stood out for me, and I'm sure you've coached against them, and I imagine it would have been a nightmare. The Walker brothers, what they did with the Ipswich boys, I just looked at that and I, and I knew from day one, you know, this would be such an interesting fit. I don't know if it would work, but fuck me, it's worth a try. And I just knew the Warriors wouldn't go for it. What are your thoughts on the Walker brothers and their brand of footy they play? Um, I, I, I've got a lot of respect for um, for the for the Walker boys. Like we, um, we've had some good battles here uh, over the last two years. We've played each other um, four times and we got them. We got them last year, both times, and they got it. They got me the, the year before, um, both times. But they were both like really good, hard battles. And I, I said to those guys straight after because they cop they cop quite a bit of criticism around the Queensland Rugby League for you know everything's a short kickoff or a short dropout or you know they play a time based thing rather than uh, field posi- field position. They're they're trying to keep the ball in their hands for longer than so that's why they play sideways and generate that lateral lateral footy and I, I say to him like I love coaching against you guys because it's a different challenge like I see something significantly different where 
the majority of the other weeks, you know, it, it's not that much different from one team to another where they're a clearly different style. And I enjoy that challenge and I respect those guys for doing things differently and, and taking things on. Like I, I get some uh, criticism and definitely um, some praise as well about how we play our footy. We we pass the ball in a, in a different fashion to how the, the Ipswich guys go about it. But I like to think that I do something different as well. And they like playing against, you know, it was a good battle, a good chat. I don't know whether that style will work in the in the NRL and I'm not sure if it's sort of it would be another shift away from the Warriors DNA of their earlier times because it's not back to that and it's not structured, rigid, you know, Melbourne Storm of ten years ago kind of footy, which Melbourne aren't like that anymore either. Um so to be another step in a different direction. Um, but what I do know about those guys is that they believe they they have a method they believe in it they can teach it and they're they're strong about it and they're looking to evolve it it's not been the same the whole time like i can see evolution from year to year we, when they played us actually they didn't play as lateral they played a lot more direct in our in our last game against them um the back end of last year which you know they were strategizing against what we were strategizing against you know it was it was a good um it was a good battle, like from a coaching point of view. And yeah, I respect that they do things differently and, and have a crack and they believe in it and they believe there's a different way. I like lot, lots of credit for that. Mate, you speak about respecting, you know, the way that they coach in a different way. And, you know, there's nothing that shits me more in rugby league than, you know, blokes like yourself, the Walker brothers. And the reality is your dad for the last 30 years that step outside of those lines of, playing chess and setting up for a block play. And, you know, you do something where you step slightly out of line, you try something different, everyone just wants to jump on your back for it. It must be frustrating. Uh, yeah, I've given up caring about what anyone else thinks, you know, a long time ago, outside of people that, you know, really, really know and can really help you. Like, you know, if you if you wouldn't ring someone to ask them for their opinion, then I wouldn't listen to it. You know, that's sort of something that I'll go by as much as I can. But... You know, you see great teams and they evolve, like the the Roosters and the Storm and those guys. They they don't just do the same thing from week to week or or season on season. They're always evolving. Where there's definitely some other teams that are they're just trying to mimic, or they recruit a coach or some players from another club and think that they're going to bring that style. But it, you know, you can't transport culture or environment. Um, you can't transport DNA like you know footy DNA. It's just it's just different and. I love I love seeing you know teams do things differently and stretch the boundaries and, and challenge in, in different ways and you know the new rules I guess are forcing coaches to change how they think or just to, to at least investigate whether their thoughts are still valid. Yeah, mate. I like I look at those Walker brothers and I just think you know like I understand it's a risk. I one hundred percent understand that, but. The game has never moved more towards the way that they coach, and I, I don't understand. If it was to go to a complete and utter tyre fire, are the Warriors in a worse position in two years' time than what they are now? It's just I, I, I think it's a risk that, that they should be willing to take. Let's move to your time at the Titans. When did you arrive there? Uh, 20, 2015 season, so it was the back end of 2014. I actually was due to stay at the Warriors after 2014. Like I, I'd signed a two-year deal. Um, but they they'd had a shifting coach and Andrew McFadden was now the coach and he was he was happy to to have me um, see through my contract. But I also had an offer um, from a Sydney club and from the Titans. Um, 
and I was just about to get married. It was a week before I was getting married in Newcastle. And I said to my wife, well, my fiance at the time, like, what do, what do you want to do? Stay here, go to Sydney, go to the Gold Coast. And she's like, oh, you can't do this. We're getting married next week. What are you doing? Um, so I flew to Sydney for a day, had a meeting, came back. I think about it for a day or two and went, right, let's go to the Gold Coast. Um, the northern parts of New South Wales there is um, where my dad grew up and somewhere I had a close affinity to. Thought I'd sort of reconnect with with that area of the world. And, uh, yeah, went and joined the Titans under under Neil Henry in 2015. So that was a turbulent time and also good test for the relationship and making sure that uh, we were both in this footy journey together. Mate, I imagine, you know, obviously on-field there would have been a heap of challenges, but obviously there off-field during that time, a heap of challenges as well. What did you learn from your time there? Yeah, maybe what not to do, some stuff. Um, you know, there was, yeah, there's some dis- issues with sort of play behaviour and, and even uh, just the finances of the club and, and whatnot. Um, I didn't fully understand or engage in a lot of that stuff. Like, I was I was there to coach. Um, I was there to develop young players and, and there to coach the the defense so you know i sort of relished the opportunity to to get around nathan friend who i'd spent some time with at the at the warriors and and greg bird and dave shillington and like really experienced guys like that and and learn about the game and you know get feedback around my own coaching and, and that kind of stuff so that was um that was a great experience obviously you had experienced coaching staff with with neil and and terry madison there um and experienced players it was a real stretch Nate Miles and, and guys like that they really know their footy um, they they make you a better coach because you you got to perform mate after your time at the Titans you uh you grab your passport again and you head back over to England where did you land at Bradford um I actually had a, had a call from somebody saying I think um I think the Bradford job's a good one for you I knew they'd had some you know sort of financial struggles and whatnot but um you know my dad my dad took that uh, that job on three years earlier um, when they tr- transitioned from uh, winter rugby league to summer rugby league and you know I had nothing but fond memories of um, bull mania was the, the phrase that they used it, it went from being you know a really dark dour foggy place at Odsall to they're playing in the middle of summer and it, there's music pumping and you know a good style of footy so I had great memories and, and we're looking to go back there and, and trying to create some more and get the club back on the map but yeah didn't quite go to plan. How did you uh, How did you land with the North Devils? How did it all come about? Well, yeah, the back end of that, you know, that Bradford experience when the club just sort of well and truly fell on its um, fell on its ass financially. Came home and, and just had to tread water for a little while in 2017, waiting for something to come up. And I actually had a um, an introduction to to Peter Nolan at the at the Broncos and just went and talked footy with him for a couple of hours uh, in. March or April of 2017 and just sort of making myself known and keen to I was really keen to get involved in the Queensland Rugby League or you know in the, the ISC competition um, I'd coached in New South Wales Cup with the Warriors I coached under 20s being a, an assistant in the NRL worked with the SG Ball been to Super League been to Championship in England um, so I feel like I've had a taste of a lot of the grades so I was keen to get to Queensland because it's something that I hadn't spent a lot of time with when I was at the Titans I spent a lot of time watching Tweed that was my sort of allocation of of, um, of players but I didn't really know the, the landscape um, so I feel much better for the, the last couple of years of not just understanding you know Brisbane Rugby League but, but Queensland Rugby League in general um, 
so I, yeah, I had a, had a someone, yeah, someone tipped me off that they were going to make a change as, as the coach went, and I um, I reached out to Pete Nolan and said, you know, what do you what do you think? And he said, yeah, definitely go for that one. And had a had a meeting with uh, club legend uh, Kevin Carmichael and Peter Fraser, the chairman, and and John John Rebo were um, in the interview panel, and we we had a good yarn, and and it wasn't too long after that that they offered me the job. Mate, I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you here. You know, you know, from speaking to you for the last hour or so, you've obviously been through a heap of systems, had a heap of experience, and it sounds to me like you're ready and raring to go for a first-grade coaching position. Let's say a hypothetical. You spoke about you understand Queensland Rugby League. Let's say um, the new Queensland team was to come in in 2021 and you were announced as the coach and they said to you, give us three names, three blokes that you want to build a club around for the next five or six years, open checkbook, give us three names to call, who would they be? Yeah, it's it's like, it's really hard question to answer because like, I'm not a, I'm not a fan, you know, I'm not like, oh, I love that guy and how he plays and whatever. I'm always like, how does that guy think? Or how does he, what's he like in the dressing room? How does he influence other people? Like, uh, I think you obviously need, you know, a very big human uh, in the middle and you need a, a great halfback and to me, you know, fullback, those, those three three things would be the the key towards putting together a team. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think on the run here, but like I feel I feel that recruitment process, it's not so much like who are the best players or, you know, money's no option, who's the best player? It's like who who's the best fit? I like watching how Cherry Evans plays and I think that guy could play till he's 35 or 38 like he he's one of those guys that but he might not like I don't know him personally um but that kind of guy I think you could do a lot with around your club and it comes down to how you want to play your footy started is a fantastic opportunity to really get that identity and and really picking the players that are going to suit suit your method but I mean those elite players that you're talking about they suit every method like if you if you got Mitchell Moses or well, Cherry Evans probably off the top of my head would be two that you go for that I think have got so much footy ahead of them as well. Um, the best footy of their career is is possibly still ahead of them. You went for Tedesco or the next best fullback. I'm not not sure. He's he's just such a fantastic player. <laughs> be hard to go past. But you'd have to think like if we're going to make that investment in that player, how long is it going to get us? Like about you know, just signing for now and let's have a great year and work the rest out later. There has to be a, a succession plan and, you know, who's the next one coming after those superstars that you buy? That's that's equally as important a question as um, as the fan favourite of, you know, which which players do you want to buy? Like, um, I'd be big on developing the next, you know, the underneath system as well so that, you know, you're producing your own players where there's a lot of clubs not really focusing hard on that before I let you go, obviously you're the coach of the North Devils at the moment and, you know, I told you before that I coach a team myself under-16s with, you know, a couple of kids that are looking to make it in footy themselves. When a kid first shows up at the North Devils, you know, 18, he's fresh in the system, what are you looking for from him? What, what, what are the sort of personality traits? What are you in the training sessions, in their first few games, what are you looking for as a coach? Yeah, it's a, that's a really, like, it's a really deep question that could be answered um, a lot of different ways and, and really... A lot of detail. Well, ideally, you're looking for guys that want to be coached and guys that love the game. Uh, they, if they love the game and want to be coached, you can't go far wrong. Um, but it also, probably understanding that you're not always going to see that straight away. Like, 
sometimes the love of the game has been masked by previous experiences. Like we, we've had a few guys here in the last year or two. They're like, I just love footy again. You know, and then they've started playing better. So it's trying to get that environment right, understanding that the kids aren't necessarily going to show that straight away. They might not know what competing looks like. If you love the game and want to be coached, well, you're going to compete well. But you just might need to be taught what does that look like. It doesn't mean just run hard, tackle hard. It means I've got to chase kicks or I've got to chase down people that make a break or I've got to dive on balls and get my head hurt. Like, There's lots of things that can be taught, but if they come with that appetite for, like, I love footy, why do you play? Because I love it. You know, never forget that part. And do you want to get better? Are you here to get better? They're the two things that, you know, I... I try and foster and if guys maybe aren't showing either of those character or behaviors, mindsets, then, you know, I talk to them about it and say, hey, what are you you here for? Like, you you love it? Because it's, you know, footy is a silly game to play unless you love it because it's it's brutal. It's physically so hard. Not many make, you know, make a living out of it because you love it and do it to get better. Mate, you mentioned, you know, one thing you said then was that you want players to want to be coached and obviously you know each generation which you know they change slightly are you finding the more modern players are they harder to coach are they easier to coach you know have you noticed any changes over your last 20 odd years of coaching in players I don't don't really look back on it and go oh you know what were guys like back then like you know when you're in it every day obviously there's there's evolution but it's it's so subtle from day to day or week to week that it's hard to sort of pinpoint well where did it where did it shift? I know current generation cop a lot of cop a lot of shit, but I think it comes down to about wanting to learn and be criticised and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I find players tell me they just want honesty. You know, maybe how that gets delivered is different now to maybe it was you know, no filter fifty years ago. You just said what you thought and didn't you know worry about the outcome or how it was received. Um, but if you if you're a coach and you're acting with the right intention of helping that player. You deliver it in a fashion that's, you know, humane and and somewhat caring. You know, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be rose petals and and pop puree. You know, like it's not all going to smell great or taste great or feel great. But um, you know, that's the, the nature of coaching is to help people get better. And you know, majority of majority of kids I come across, and I you know, I work with kids that are 16 all the way through to you know 30 year olds here that they want honesty. They don't always, you know, they don't always love the answer. But they also, you know, in my my coaching sort of style, they hear a lot of positive honesty too. You know, in coaching, we generally hear, you know, I want to make, got to make them accountable and it's, you know, I'm going to be really honest with them. And often that's referred to as like being critical or from coming from the negative where players also like getting positive reinforcement about. And I probably learned this lesson when I was at the Bronc- London Broncos with, um, Nick, Nick Bradley Galalawa, who played at Manly and actually spent a little bit of time at Parramatta. And he, he told me a story, actually, when he went to Parramatta, like I, I think my, my dad showed him a video of some highlights or clips or whatever that this is why you're here. I love it that you do this. Um, and I did that. Like I did that with uh, Dane Chisholm at, at Bradford. And, you know, he had some issues, you know, some negative criticisms about his game or whatnot. But he was there because of the things he could do, not what he couldn't do. And I think as coaches, we've got to harness harness the good in people and why they're there to start with and, and praise that. And then the 
the criticism or the the self-improvement, self-development stuff becomes much easier to, to translate that, I reckon. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. You know, your experience in rugby league is it's just so unique from your childhood to the different systems you've been in. And, you know, I'm confident that first grade coaching job, it's just around the corner. It can't be far away. And I wish you all the best in the future, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to share an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it's been to to talk footy with someone so knowledgeable and, and aware of, you know, the history of the game, but also what's going on in the present. So I uh, appreciate the opportunity and I uh, look forward to, to listening to your podcast in the future. We'll have to uh, grab a beer once you're coaching a first grade side down in Sydney, mate. I look forward to it. Sounds good. Appreciate it. My shout. <laughs> Without a doubt, mate. I only shout on a roller coaster. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. It's another big week to come on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We've got our fan is short for fanatic podcast coming this week we, we've got a crazy roosters fan on this week young jack he's an absolute champion with plenty of stories to tell and probably a few lies in there as well then we've got our minutes that matter podcast which will be dropping during the week plus our preview of round 15 with natty joining me again to look at everything round 15 and your run home for super coach and you know some moves that you can make over the next two weeks if you're trying to make it into the top eight or the top six or whatever your comp may be we're getting to desperate times wins are crucial waiver wire picks are crucial and it all counts now if you're in the top eight you need to start looking towards grand final week and how you're going to get there because this is when competitions are won everything that's happened previously doesn't matter your season starts in about two weeks as super coach it's going to be a massive few weeks I can't wait. If you're listening in your car or on the phone or whatever it may be, take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, and we can get sharing it on our Rugby League Guru Instagram page. Let's spread the podcast around. Remember to keep kicking the corners and always play smart footy. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 